You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys have been having a great week. I have been having a blast. Today's episode is a very special episode because it was recorded live at last week's Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang. I personally loved this new format of conducting a live interview in front of the Thirsty Thursday gang. And I hope that everyone that came enjoyed it as much as I did. I really think this episode turned out great, and I can't wait to do the next one. I can announce to you right now for the next Thirsty Thursday live interview, we shall be with another Vox and Hops alumni, the great Nikki Kalan of Necrogoblicon. Get ready, people. That is going to be happening on November 5th, which is the first Thursday of November. And if you would like to come to that, please send me a message via the Vox and Hops social media accounts, and I will send you that private Zoom link. So here it is, people. This is the very first Thirsty Thursday live interview with Danny Marino of The Agonist. This is Vox and Hops, episode number one. 189. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Today I am with Danny Marino of The Agonist. Uh, I am super stoked to be with you. This is the very first Thirsty Thursday live interview, and uh, I was you were an easy choice because you were the very first Vox and Hops guest ever. So, Danny, very easy yet complex question that I've been throwing at all of my guests recently is, how have you been coping with 2020? Uh, I think getting by like everyone else but uh i guess my main thing is behind me the guitar so uh, i've been writing a lot of music i improved my home studio a bit still definitely not a professional studio but i'm able to pump out like pretty good sounding demos now nice got a bunch of plugins your guitar player chris donaldson the master mixer gave me some advice very about, cool like, things i can get so yeah, we're pumping out a lot of new material. So we're getting ahead of the game for the next the next record and and more. <laughs> that that is that is fucking awesome. That's very exciting. And and because we are close friends, I know that that's not the only thing that you've been working on throughout this pandemic. There's something else that's coming up big in your life if you want to talk about that. That's right. That's uh, there's a baby due in December, my first first child with my wife Laura who's here. <laughs> yes that, so that that's super excited i'm super stoked when i found it of course yeah. so in terms of uh, coping as well that it's an added you know stressor of course so we've been in the group that has been exceptionally careful you know needing to really keep our distance needing to really be extra careful with everything so that's been a challenge but you know we're getting by we're, we're doing it it's tough it's it's good that you have your music that you can dive into have you uh, met certain friends that just don't take it seriously and don't understand why you guys have to yeah uh for sure i think everyone has a mix of people like that in their life or even just maybe peripherally uh with social media and all that you don't just see your immediate surrounding but all kinds of a network of people so you see all kinds of views about every subject so yeah i, I have a, a wide array of viewpoints on that that whole thing from across all my friends that I've made over the years. But uh, generally, 
you know, I'm following the science. And <laughs> even if we weren't, you know, pregnant, I still would be being careful. Maybe a, there would be a less degree a bit, but I still would be on the careful side. Now, I am super, super, super careful because I spend all day over 40 hours a week with a mask and goggles taking care of little kids. So so it's, it's, yeah. it's pure reality for me what's going on in this, this pandemic. <laughs> Uh, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Danny, what beer do you have on your side tonight that we are going to share virtually? I've got this uh, Gallicus Loki. Nice. Yes. I've never had this particular. I had another Gallicus. It was the first time I had this. It's apparently with Sabro, your favorite. I am Team Sabro, 100%. <laughs> so. I'm pouring it out now. We'll see how this is. Yeah, a lot of people don't like Sabro because it's it's basically the, the coriander of hops because it has such a coconutty vibe and a lot of people don't like coconut. So so I think uh, I think that's why it's it's so d- divisive, if that's the word, if that's a word. <laughs> Cheers. That looks beautiful. That looks beautiful. Good, nice glass there too. I, I'm pulling out this. I found it at uh, my favorite new local craft beer store, La Cadette. Uh, this is... Uh, Brasserie Generales. For some reason, it says Brasserie Urbaine to it, which confused me when I was trying to tag it earlier. Reverber, uh, <laughs> number seven. Uh, apparently, these brews are stuff that they had on tap for a long time, and now they're, they're coming up to like a, a huge anniversary. I wish I knew that. And uh, this is a uh, an IPA brewed with wheat flakes, citra, and cryo citra hops, which, you know, I love the cryo. And it's supposed to be intense and fruity. So, so take me to... This is a question I like to ask uh, return guests. How has your craft beer palette changed since you were previously on Vox and Hops? I think it's uh, expanded quite a bit because that was three years ago. It's crazy. Eh? Two years ago, two years and about two months. Yeah, I was still in my old apartment, I remember. So I was like, it had to be a while ago. Uh, yeah, I think I've gotten into a lot more in the funky sour area in the past few years i've also come around when before i hated like i didn't hate belgian beer i liked certain belgian beers but the triple and quad and all that kind of stuff i was like no and now i've come around totally to that that side um i might have overdone the ipas a bit that i still obviously enjoy them but um i think what happened was it became so oversaturated and so the New England IPA, the hazy IPA thing. And it was kind of like, I like those, but I think it's that, you know how there's like, there's Tool, like the band, and then every city has like 4,000 local bands that are trying to be Tool <laughs> and they're not as good. <laughs> so there's a lot of bandwagon copycat new england ipas that are just you know they're not actually that great that's and correct there's, there's of course a collection of them that are amazing so there's just so many that once you start drinking always this kind of beer you're kind of getting disappointed sometimes absolutely and I, I completely agree and i think that breweries that just jump onto hype trains too quick uh and you know forget their values and why they started brewing beer in the first place are breweries that that don't have a you know a correct business moral compass because you can't put out 
shitty products. It has to be stellar. If not, you're just going to lose it. It's a huge, huge market, the craft beer market. And it's like the music market. If, if, you, exactly if, you're, if you're in a band and you just jump onto the next craze and you're not authentic and you're just doing it to make it, it's not going to work. You can hear it. You can totally hear it and you can taste this with beer when it's like it's they're not they're not actually doing what they're best at. They're, they're just kind of following because they want to make it sort of thing. Unless, you know, sometimes there are there are some breweries that are just so damn good, like the, the brewers and the master brewers that they can kind of just do anything they want. You know what I mean? The ones that can do like 10 different styles. Amazing. Those are like the harder to find ones. I agree. So tell me that. What, 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 which one of those come off the top of your head right now? I have one in mind from Quebec, but I, I want to see if, it, if we match the same. Dunham. Oh, see, no, no, I know you love Dunham. Yeah. <laughs> I had Buck Canada, but Dunham hasn't nailed a haze yet. That's true. That's true. All their, their IPAs are much more West Coast. Although the newer ones that, that they've just started dropping are a little bit more on point. But it's just they don't like it. I think they personally don't like it. And they're finally just succumbing to all the the, <laughs> the, the harassment <laughs> from sure. the, the haze, the haze, the haze hunters. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely a... Uh, originally inspired by like Cantillon and all this kind of thing but yeah. then they expanded into all kinds of like stouts <laughs> and uh, wheat ales and all kinds of stuff you know let's dance into the fact that you guys released Orphans last year you got to tour it minimally and actually I, I was super bummed for you guys because your last tour was probably your most successful tour in Europe and you guys were opening for Ginger and it was sold out all over and you guys were hypothetically set to go back to to europe and just uh, destroy because you guys gained so many more fans on that tour uh how are you going to keep it going once you can go back touring how are you are you hoping just to jump right back into that slot do you think that's possible uh, i hope it is well, what do you think i think so i mean at least in europe what we built up now it just kind of in a way all those fans that we played to that, you know, clearly dug us a lot when we played, you're just stretching it out even longer that like anticipation. So I think it should work out well once we can finally do it. You know, uh, there's already, I mean, we already have next summer festivals booked. I hope everything works out, but we're, we're scheduled on a bunch of festivals for next summer in Europe. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I just hope it happens. I hope that 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 it just goes away. That's all that we can do. We have to stay positive. We have to push forward with that. Um, I threw out some like a, a request to the, the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday gang to send me some topics, send me some questions that they would like to be hear from you during this interview. And one of them was about a band that you think has too much hype and you don't get it. And then me and Jerry Monk, who's here, started talking about a band that we don't particularly understand, um, but <laughs> you certainly do. I don't want to talk about them, but I want to hear your opinion on what band do you think has too much hype that doesn't deserve it? Well, it's always hard to like, no matter who the band is, you don't want to kind of like take them <laughs> down a peg or like shit on them. You know what That's I mean? true. Uh, there's a bunch of bands that get quite big that I don't get it, sort of. Well, not that I don't get it. I kind of get it, but I'm like, why do, Why is so many people actually like this when it's like so, in my opinion, like hollow? Mm -hmm. Like, 
uh, like I get why there's an audience for Five Finger Death Punch. I get why that exists. But like to the extent that they are, that there's that many people that really love that. It's just like to me is so vapid and empty and just, you know, it's as if you took the the worst soulless pop music, I'm not even, I'm not talking about good pop music, not like Bruno Mars. I mean like the some really garbage thing you hear on like Virgin Radio or something. But then you say, but we're a metal band. And it's like, no, you're not. It's just this weird macho pop garbage. <laughs> So I don't mind shitting on them, I guess. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was on the singer's Instagram account yesterday, the day before. I can't I don't know why I stumbled upon it and and he posted some video of him dancing for five to ten minutes at <laughs> to pop music. I, I didn't understand. It wasn't for me. I bet it had I bet it had two million views. It, it had more views than my post, that's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh France a Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday regular is wondering if you guys are ever thinking of doing a virtual show. I know that there's some constraints with Vicky being elsewhere, being in Chicago now, uh, but is that something that you guys have spoken about, thought about, and trying to problem solve? We didn't really dive into it too much because of that, having that border separation between us was a big issue. And we're kind of like, we didn't want to do the Zoom show pre-recorded sort of thing where we're not even actually playing. It's when you see those things, you know that it's just like a music video, right? Like yes. everyone's miming their performance. Yes. So, so, but when the band's like, you know, I saw Trivium do their actual live performance and a bunch of other bands have done that for real. That's a different thing. That would be cool. But also it would be like, if we did it, I'd like to make it like something like not just like we're in our jam space playing and that's it. <laughs> so that requires, you know, budget and investments to that. But it, it would be cool if that could happen at some point. Fuck yeah. Behemoth destroyed the live stream game. I don't know how many people saw it. It was unfucking believable full production in this old church. It was to die for it's 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 set the bar cory taylor's gonna try something i think it's next week that that's happening um i i think that he's gonna be setting the bar on that as well um uh, another question philip uh brusso uh a regular from thirsty thursday has a few questions for you that they're all bangers uh number one what are the best tips that you can give new bands that are going on tour for the first time <laughs> i have if i have one that comes right off the top of my head Get the fuck off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> when your set is finished, get the fuck off the stage <laughs> as fast as you can. Yeah. I would imagine that this new band would be, you know, opening most likely on a tour, not headlining. So you listen to that tour manager that you're working for. He's your boss. If you've ever had a job before, you picture him like your boss. You do exactly as they say. You learn the ropes. You don't talk back. You get, you know, you take it and do your job. And you're going to have a good time because if he's your friend, things are going to go really smoothly for you as well. And I would say get to know everyone's name, not just on the tour, but when you show up to a venue, they're not just like nobodies. It's like the sound guy, his name's Paul. This is the light guy. It's Jim. Okay. Like, and you get to know people. There's a promoter, you know, all that. And then it's not just like, hey, you, where's my this? Mm. It's like, 
it's going to come back around to bite you in the ass when you go back to that venue a month later. Because that's what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. That, that's a very, very good point. And get off the stage very quickly. Don't be late. If you, if you, if you start late, you're cutting a song. It's just the way it is. Yeah. So don't, <laughs> don't, yeah. And this is another thing about getting off the stage thing. It's always, it's almost always the case. If there's like a touring package of bands with a bunch of bands that are all experienced touring bands, and then there's like, a buy-on or like the first time band that band who's like nobody has the most complicated gear <laughs> it's true. which makes no sense the biggest you drum know? set in the world the biggest yeah <laughs> double kicks 17 symbols which i guess for you is normal flow but, <laughs> but like we have a, we're well like doubles d- double stack amplifiers with a pedal board this big and like it's just like Meanwhile, the headliner who plays arenas has like a floorboard with two switches on it. And it's like one cable. And it's like when the show's over, you could pack up in like 30 seconds. You are 100% right that that normally when we're doing these these festival tours, it's always that local band that pushes the fest way off schedule. So so don't get pissed at the headliner or anyone else. Get pissed at your friends. Yeah. They're like, we brought our own lights and monitors. Why? Continuing with Dervi tests. Oh, these are fun, juicy. Um, guitar nerd question. What is the best guitar you've ever played and why? I think the guitar that I've had the most enjoyment playing is my buddy Pavlo has a, I believe it's an early 80s Fender Telecaster that's been beat to shit and has been played on a million records. And it just has that mojo of like, the sweat of a thousand guitar players because it's been like passed through a bunch of guitar players and it just it's an original american and it, it obviously i'm not using it for super heavy metal but i used it on a few albums whenever i need a clean guitar or a, a middle of the road gain tone or an effectsy tone i remember the last record we did with chris i plugged that into like a fender uh, tweed amp with like a $300 delay analog delay pedal and all this. And we had like three different mics in the room to pick up ambient sound and the speaker sound and all this. And I just sat in the room playing that. And I just, I could just sit there all day, just hitting like two notes slowly <laughs> and it just echoes and reverberates through the room. That's amazing. But yeah. That, that guitar is special. I told him I'm going to, I'm going to have to take it from him one day. <laughs> and shout out to Pavlo. Uh, I love you, brother. Uh, we were in a band together called the era of, uh, in late two thousands, early 2010s that was happening. A uh, great project. If you guys don't know about that, you should absolutely go check that out. Uh, Jorge, uh, my friend and a huge agonist fan from Toronto has, uh, what's the best beer you have ever drank or discovered while on tour? While on tour, you know what? I can't remember the name of it, but the best beer I had on tour was in Berlin. I went to a bar called Protocol, which somebody <laughs> recommended to me. I believe it was someone here. Yes, yes. I, <laughs> I, I, I conducted two interviews there, actually. <laughs> yeah, when... Uh, when we got to Berlin, I right, right away looked it up. I was like, okay, it's like 20 minutes from the venue. Okay, I can do this. And I actually had a really busy day that day, but I, we made it happen. You have to. And uh, the stout that I had there was phenomenal. Like, 
one of the best stouts, probably like the second best stout I ever had. And I don't, I probably checked it into untapped. So I'll, I can check there, but I don't remember what it was called. Very cool. And it is, I, I found it very strange being in Germany, going to a craft beer bar. And a lot of the beers actually weren't from Germany. Most of them were from when I was there, whereas were from Russia. Another one was from the Netherlands. I don't know what, what your experience was when you were there. I don't know. I mean, it could have been from Russia. <laughs> it's a Russian imperial stuff. I had three or four there and I, they had like a juicy New England IPA and it was totally like on par with New England IPA. It was like they, they're one of, I guess, those versatile people that can do just about anything. Very sick. Very sick. Uh, Jerry Monk, uh, my my music professor who sends me amazing, amazing music recommendations just about every day from the Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday group. He wants to know what band doesn't get enough hype, the opposite, a band that deserves more attention. Hmm. Probably like a hundred bands. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been listening to a lot of this band called Half. Yeah, Hail Half, Hail Half. I can't believe you're pulling out Half. I'm so stoked. Yeah, and I was like really impressed by that. That I, and then you know, then I look and it's like, yeah, not much people paying attention to this band, but they are fucking amazing, and they 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 do a lot of. What I like about them is like. They sound modern. They sound like a band of today, yet they incorporate a lot of stuff from back in various generations, sort of of metal and death metal, but it never, never sounds dated. It ends up sounding still of like the 2020 era, sort of, of like modern death metal. So it's like a very smooth way of, of doing it to not sound trendy, but still sound current, Fuck but right. like using a lot of classic elements, you know, as well. I love Hath, and the, a lot of the members of Hath come to Thirsty Thursday, so it's very, very interesting that you said this. Oh. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, time has passed. I probably asked you this question on the last time I had you on the podcast, but I, I want to see how, how things have evolved for you with your palate changing. If you could make a 2020 Agonist Brew with a collab with a brewery you could pick the brewery pick the style of beer and pick the name what would that beer be danny so i think i would go with uh brasserie de bas canada because it's right in paco's backyard our guitarist paco lives in gatineau which is where that brewery is and if people don't know it's possibly uh, the best or one claim to be maybe the one of the best in all of Quebec, if not Canada. It's definitely the most hyped. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and But I wouldn't do the IPA. I know that that's like kind of like their thing in a way, but they also do amazing stouts. So I would go for a bourbon barrel aged heavy stout, like 11% plus. Um, and I would call it In Vertigo, like our song, Very because... Cool. It's, it's such a punch in the face that it's like you get vertigo and, you know, and there'd be like a spiral on the artwork or something like that of, or something like this. Very cool. I love it. I love it. Um, Evan Welch uh, has a question. Evan Welch is uh, the Thirsty Thursday after party king. Um, he wants to know what you think about um, a seasonal beer. Uh, what, what do you feel about pumpkin beers? I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan. I don't hate it, but it's like... <laughs> 
I think when I was when I started drinking, very first started drinking anything semi craft, I was kind of like, whoa, because I was like, I didn't know you could make a beer that had this kind of taste. This is insane. Kind of like the same way as like the first time you have a raspberry beer. <laughs> like what? Yeah. And both of them, I think, were St. Ambois. The pumpkin and the raspberry were the first. But then I had actual like pumpkin. Because I know in the States, it's like a bit much bigger thing. And I had one from um, uh, Dogfish Head. And that was real. That was quite good. That's like, okay, this doesn't just taste like a pumpkin pie was shot into a beer. This was like balanced. They like purposely, you know, and I, I get why it's a thing. It's just not my thing, I guess. Same with like pumpkin spice, like coffee, like forget that shit. Like, please, no, no fruits and vegetables in my coffee. Like, you, you don't want a scarf and Ugg boots to go with your pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin spice latte. I like if I go, if I do go at Starbucks, I'll just be like, I get a coffee and they're like, what do you want in it? Or what is any, I'm just like black and they're like, I want coffee. That's it. Yes, that's that's it. Surcharge for nothing. <laughs> you realize you're getting a $3 black coffee, right, sir? <laughs> Let's wrap up my portion of this with a classic Vox and Hobbs wrap-up question at this point. Danny, it probably doesn't happen to you because you're, you're, you're a very organized person and uh, you know what's going on and you can control yourself, but it happens to everyone every once in a while. What is your hangover cure? Does it, it has to be the hangover cure after, not like the night before? Oh, I want thing. to hear the whole thing. If you if you have a, a, a routine to avoid hangovers, I want to hear that. I want the secret. Okay. Well, I, I, I drink probably like two liters at least of water right before bed. Like I'll just down, like I'll take the pint that I was drinking from or whatever it is and just fill it, drink it, fill it, drink it, fill it. Like that takes away probably a good, you know, 25, 30% of the effect that could happen the next morning. Uh, but that is after eating something very substantial. Like I can eat two dinners <laughs> amount of food if I'm drunk and I'm a very skinny guy. Yes, you are. <laughs> but yeah, I can have like a large poutine, which is meant for like two, three people, or I can have, you know, an entire pizza potentially. But I could never have that if it was just like dinner, if it was just normal time to eat. But if it's in that state, all of a sudden it just like disappears. So if I do that and the two liters of water, right away that's going to take a huge amount of the edge off. And then the next morning I've tried, I've tried the pickle juice thing a few times. Uh, I'm not sure if it works or if I'm just confusing myself with thinking it works or something <laughs> but i will say the the hair of the dog thing does work mm -hmm. definitely there's no doubt that it works but you will you will come down later still you're just delaying it sort of but i've done like i i can't do beer though like if it's the next day it if i do the hair it has to be like a, a booze thing like either like i mean a caesar is kind of like the best because all the salt and everything. But if it's just, yeah, like even if it's if you're on tour or whatever, you know, there's bottles everywhere in the bus, right? So there's bottles of vodka just right there. And it's just like, it's two in the afternoon and you're waking up and you're just like fucking pounding and everything. Take a shot of that. It's definitely going to get you through the sound check. 
I, I I love it. I love it. And I, I, I as a as a father of of two young children that tries not to get hangovers, I highly suggest to you, and I'm sure everyone has told this to you, but enjoy sleeping now. <laughs> because they will not let you sleep <laughs> and they didn't drink the beer so so you, you have to get up and be a good dad which i know you will at this point like i think the only times i really get hung over is on tour like i rarely get like face down drunk in my life at home now like it's i guess it's a sign of getting older or whatever i can get like toasty you know but then I'll do like my water thing, like I said, and I, I might wake up with a little headache, but I'm not going to have that like end of the world hangover feeling. Perfect. And then for the Thirsty Thursday gang member, Ollie, I hope you're listening. <laughs> Drink water. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Danny. I am going to now turn you over to the Thirsty Thursday gang. They can launch some questions to you. As always, people, if you would like to ask a question, raise your virtual hand. I will call you out, and then you can you can ask a question to Danny, and he will answer. I see some hands up already. Let me see who was there first. We have, uh, we have uh, Dervites, Dervites, Philip. Go for it, bud. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um... It's an extension of the question of of the best guitar, but why Ibanez? Because I see you have a lot of Ibanez, and I'm like, it's cool. I have an Ibanez bass over there. So why Ibanez? Why not, like, there is a lot of brands today, like Kia, Kiesel, and all of that. Why Ibanez? Uh, I went through a few brands of guitars before Ibanez, uh, but I think I landed on it Maybe I'm a bit like old school and even in the way that like I haven't really gotten around to like the artist CDs and Kiesel's and, you know, solar guitars and the whole like new sort of generation. I played some of them. I tested some of them. And I, I know I can tell it like I know that solar guitars are like unbelievably like made and you can just feel it sort of thing. But it feels kind of like a weapon more than a guitar. <laughs> But like I would I just, say that of BC Rich, but, yeah. <laughs> but that's my opinion. <laughs> and I used to play I used to play BC Rich. I played Mockingbirds when I first oh, yeah. started with the Agonist. But um it was actually Paco who when he joined the band, he was like an Ibanez, you know, through and through, right? And he's a huge John Petrucci and all these kind of shredder guys, Joe Satriani, all these guys. And he joined the band and he was like, Wow, I'm joining this touring band. He's like, So how do you how do you get these like endorsements like that? And I'm like, well, I mean, you just contact the company and, and he did. And he contacted Ibanez and he was like, Hey, I'm in this band. And, and they checked us out and they're like, yeah, sure. We could work with you. And I was kind of skeptical that I was like, nah, I was like this old school. Like I liked Gibson's. I was playing Gibson Explorers at the time, you know, and I was, and then I was like, okay, let's see. So I, they're like, Oh, you play an Explorer. So, you know, we have the destroyer. <laughs> is our version of the Explorer. Why don't you try that? And I tried that. And I'm like, this is pretty cool, actually. <laughs> and then once I got on the train of the actual, like, normal sort of Ibanez guitars, and I felt like the wizard necks and the profiles and all that, now that I've been playing those for years, I can't go back. I go back to a Gibson or something like that, and I can't even play it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's so yeah. it's, it's really a, an amazing tool, I find. But I've 
I use the FR guitars, which are the ones that sort of look like Telecasters. Yeah. Right, which is a little more my style, but it still has the same profile as the RG neck. Mm. So, yeah, oh, they, they work for me. That's interesting. No, it's funny because I went to Ibanez like for my bass because I needed a new bass, and I was like, oh, okay, let's go with Ibanez. Fuck the neck, the neck. I love the neck. Just the neck <laughs> of Ibanez, just amazing. They're the best oh, yeah. neck. Up next, we have the after-party king, Evan Welch. Go for it, bud. Ask Danny Marino of the Agonist a question. Hi, Danny. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Oh, you know, another day above ground. <laughs> um, so I have a question related to touring. Obviously, with the whole coronavirus thing shit going on, um, how it's going to look like touring. Uh, are there any aspects of touring that you wish will change because of what's happened with Corona or there's some things that uh, you expect to change because of it. I can't really picture something changing that I can feel like, Oh, well that's good. Like that's for the better. Because like in terms of the touring, because I mean, even the parts, the parts of touring that you might think are it. Touring is basically I cannot think of a worse Petri dish of viral spread. <laughs> it is literally the worst possible thing you can think of. You are cramming into sweaty places with a bunch of people who everyone is shouting at the same time, a thousand people all yelling together and slamming into each other. And then on top of that, your little crew goes and lives in a little <laughs> bus with like, at least where bands like me and Matt who are not, you know, super massive, you share a bus with a lot of people, right? So there's like 16 people living on a bus for a month and a half in very close quarters, all sleeping six inches away from each other, all breathing and everything. And no one's showering often and everyone's touching everything and everyone's drinking from the same cups and everyone's hugging. And it's just like <laughs> bacteria exchange nonstop. So that can't change really. I mean, how do you how do you change that? <laughs> so, so do you think because of that, the uh, like when shows can actually start coming back, you think it's it's going to be a little while to be just in a in a state of complete everything's back to normal? I guess you mean. I mean, I know that some bands have already done sort of these regulated shows kind of thing. I'm not against. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I guess. I mean, if. If it's able to be done as safe as, let's say, it's as it is to go grocery shopping, then I guess it's okay. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. at the same time, I know that a lot of the times from what I've seen, it's not. <laughs> it's like, it'll still be like shoulder to shoulder. On paper, they, they make it that way, but people don't respect it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope so. I, I really do hope that there's whatever can work to make it come back as soon as possible safely, I'm for I have one thing that I hope that due to Corona COVID gets better is the bathroom situations at venues. You know, they, they, they can take time to renovate. They have the time now. <laughs> we can only hope they put doors on the stalls. Some doors on the stalls would be much appreciated. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure as, as Danny does, we all use the girls room before the doors open. You know, we're all just, just know every, every girl who goes to a metal show, just know that the 16, 20 people that were on the tour bus all shat in the women's room before you got there. 100% true. Total truth right there. 
You can only find that here. <laughs> Up next, we got Colby. How you doing, Colby? I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? Very good. What's your question for Danny Marino of The Agonist? My question for Mr. Danny Marino is how and why did you get involved with uh, Heartbeat Hot Sauce with your uh, labeled sauce from those guys themselves? That's, that's a Montreal old school metal scene alliance. Do you take it, Danny? I know how that happened. Yeah. So Al Bourbonakis uh, was a drummer in a metal band in Montreal in the late 90s, early 2000s. Of which, you know, in the scene, the same scene that Matt came up in, he came up a little before me. I was too young. Al was the drummer in Inveil and these other bands. And so basically he eventually decided to move to Thunder Bay, Ontario with uh, his girlfriend and now wife, I think. Mm-hmm. And they started up, uh, first of all, they, they were, he, was, he has a, like a degree in cooking. And so he ended up cooking in kitchens and then he says, Hey, I'd like making hot sauce. And they made their hot sauce company and it was cool. And then I remember when he did it, we passed through Thunder Bay and he like the very first time when he was just starting the company and it was like, cool. And we met him cause we were playing there and then it just exploded and got bigger and bigger. And then he got on, he got on the hot ones show yeah. and it was like, Oh shit. And from then on, he's just been like bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just approached him one day and I said, Hey, I, I love hot sauce. You love metal. Like, uh, maybe we could do a thing together. We're about to go on this big U.S. tour, which didn't happen because of COVID. <laughs> Can we make a, a bunch of branded Agonist hot sauce and we'll sell it at the merch table? And he said, awesome, let's do it, man. And so he did. And then we ha- I have the boxes of hot sauce in my basement here. Some are, we have them on our online store, some of them, but the what's extra is, is here. But like eventually, the good thing is hot sauce doesn't go bad. So it'll all get sold eventually. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. Did you have a favorite hot sauce yourself or is it heartbeat? Hot? It's honestly, it's heartbeat. I'm not even like too, that. It's, it's ridiculously good because awesome. I like flavorful hot sauces. I'm not into like, how much fire can you take only i can i can take a lot of heat i'm not but i don't enjoy it when it's over the top it's just kind of like ridiculous so but that, to add to they, what you're eating yeah they do that kind of thing like they're always like in the hot ones they're usually in like the second or third sauce selection but their latest one which is on the new hot ones is called scorpion because they use the scorpion peppers and now they're like number six. So Have you I haven't tried, tried that? that one yet. No? No, I haven't tried it. Very cool. Colby's very interested in hot sauces because he works at a hot sauce store, everyone. Ah, cool. Uh, Jorge, you're up next. Hi, Danny. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Nice shirt. Thank you. Uh, so I've I seen you live a few times, and I can I can attest that you put your strings to some work and really, really stress when you play live. So I was wondering what what strings do you use? What's your brand and what's your gut? Uh, D'Addario, NYXLs. Um, on, we do drop D and drop C. So in drop D, it's 10 to 52. And in drop C, it's 11.56. Cool. That's quite a thick gauge. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, I, I hit really hard and that's i can't i can't use floyd rose because like i'm chugging too hard on the down pick and everything and it warbles the tuning so yeah up next we have jerry with a j 
my music professor. Go for it, Jerry. How crazy Hath was his answer. I know. It makes it's 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 beautiful. It's like so I, crazy. They didn't even pay him anything. <laughs> um, I guess my question would be since both mine were answered. Uh, craziest tour story. I mean, there there was the time we we played in Colombia and the military came and shut down our show. Wow. And then a soap opera star <laughs> from Colombian television was at the show who's like apparently very popular there. I didn't know who she was, but apparently she is. And she went out and pleaded with the military and they opened up the show again. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, it, it was with Dark Tranquility and they uh, all it sucked because there was like six local bands playing, then us, then Dark Tranquility. And all the six local bands lost their slots because all the time that the military were there like blocking the show off and we were like dealing with them and it took this soap opera woman who is like she looked like that she looked like a colombian soap opera star so it was just kind of like what are you doing here kind of thing but <laughs> she was there and she's like i love metal and she was just like fighting with them and being like you have to let the show happen and then it kind of did and i don't know if it's like she said that or because the promoter gave them money but either way the show happened and a lot of other crazy shit happened on that that run with like guys with machetes chasing people down the streets because they knew they were tourists from my band and yeah wow. so Columbia is Columbia lives up to the hype. Holy shit. Uh drink water Ollie has a question for you up next. Great, yeah. yeah. So I'll I'll drink a couple pints of water before I go to bed. Thanks for the th- thanks for the tip. Everyone's been uh, <laughs> like telling me to do so, but I never do. So I'll I'll give it a try. <laughs> see, see if it works for me. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, so my question, Danny, was um, if it ever if it ever happened to you, what was the worst damage you had on either a guitar or a piece of gear while touring? Yeah, we showed up in uh, in Mexico, and when I got to the hotel after the we got off the plane, got to the hotel, opened up the guitar case, and the entire headstock was just smashed right off. Jesus. The guitar. Oh. Uh, so that was, yeah, I was lucky in the sense that it was not a particularly expensive guitar, and that I, and, and it was, I used to play Washburn guitars, and they had an endorsement with, and they had literally just given me that guitar, but it was a, a low-end sort of guitar, and it was, I brought it as, like, the second tuning guitar, which I knew we were only playing two songs kind of thing. And it was, so it was lucky in that case that it was like not some really valuable guitar that that happened. And I told, it was still, it was like shit. So like kind of thing. And I went to the, the promoters who went to the other local bands and they lent me a guitar for like to do the switch for the other songs kind of thing. That's cool. At least, at least you got a replacement. <laughs> yeah. That's show. about the extent of the, <laughs> I guess guitar damage from lots of case damage, like but you know all the the latches on guitar cases, like that just I've gone through a bunch of cases because of that. Yeah, but no, other than that, like no major like gear issue, like amps being like I don't know, like tubes blown out by people like throwing shit around or whatever. Uh, not well. Yeah, there was like I mean we we played an outdoor festival, but it was like in like in late October so it was super cold outside and it was like a small festival not don't picture like whacking like this is like small festival we were one of the headliners and it was like 
yeah, you can't like just leave your stuff on stage. You can only load up right before you're going to play. But it was like minus two, hmm. right? Oh, shit. So it's just like plug it in, turn it on. Okay, go, you're on. And it was just playing and then pop the tubes just blow because you can't do that. I learned yeah. that, that you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just can't. All right. Well, thanks, man, for, for your answers. Awesome. Drink some water, Ollie. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> the anti-pumpkin king is up next. Mr. Steph, go for it. Uh, first of all, yeah, uh, pumpkin beer is not that great. Second of all, <laughs> I have a weird question. I actually think, Danny, you might have half a story, uh, like the backstory of what I want to know. Uh, a couple of years ago or last year, I don't remember, COVID's been weird with time. I went to see Seller Darling in Montreal, and I remember vividly the singer um, starting the show and blaming the agonist and you guys and saying, this might be a bad show because they forced me to eat poutine, and I don't know what's going to happen. And she started the show like this. So what's the backstory of that? <laughs> the backstory is they were in town and we're friends with them. And I said, I'll meet you for dinner. And I met them and I said, so what do you guys want? And right away they said, poutine. <laughs> Because they're like, this is what you do in Quebec, right? And I was like, okay. So we brought them for poutines and we got big ass poutineville poutines. And then they went and, and it took a while for the food. So that anyways, they ended up eating it and they had to go on like an hour less after they ate. And yeah, and of course, you know, nothing happened because she's such an amazing live singer that it was perfect <laughs> she did she did started singing a song that wasn't the song that the band started playing Ooh, though oh, i yeah. remember oh. that part and she was like see putin that's what happens putin or or beer or something else yeah, yeah that might be it too <laughs> it's never the beer people <laughs> <laughs> don't let anna fool you she's small but she likes to party <laughs> she has irish blood so that makes sense Yeah. Very important for everyone to note, always eat the poutine after the show when you come through Montreal. If you're a touring musician, get the poutine after the gig. It is always much more enjoyed and your show is always better. Uh, we have Ironbreaker coming up next. He is uh, with us all the way from the Ukraine. How are you doing, bud? My question is kind of selfish, I guess, because I'm from Ukraine. And I, as I said, Ukraine is like a black hole of touring. Because everybody avoiding it. Hey, so we my went. question is, yeah, uh, do you have plans for uh, shows in Ukraine? Because we have uh, good craft beer too. So it's yeah. a win-win for both of us. I, I mean, I remember, I don't remember any brands, but I remember because we would like put on our rider that we want, like anytime we were playing somewhere, if you can put local beers from the area in the dressing room, just whatever it is, just as long as it's, you know, some local thing. And I remember being pretty impressed with what was there in Kiev. Uh, but we don't have anything booked, to be honest. But we did that tour with Ginger where we played Kiev, at least. Oh. You know, I know there's more than Kiev in Ukraine, but um, it was still, it was pretty cool. And that venue was massive and pretty awesome. I don't know if you were there at that show. No, no. sadly no. Well, we would go back anytime that we are uh, invited, if, as long as it, you know, at least can pay for our, us to get there kind of thing. Yeah, that's, I guess that's a problem, big problem for Ukraine. But yeah. if you go there, I will be there. 
And I probably bought you guys some good craft beer. Nice. Fuck. Perfect. So, we're playing, uh, we're supposed to play a festival in, in Russia next year, if, you know, if that happens. Uh, and maybe we could, because we're, we're trying to plan off dates for these festivals. So anything's possible. Very cool. We're going to wrap this up with Alberta Chris, who is obviously from Alberta. <laughs> hey, how you doing, Danny? Good, how are you? How's things Good. out in Alberta? Which which part of Alberta? Edmonton. My favorite part. Yeah, a lot of guys say that. I've seen you fucking slay it at the Starlight Room once. So. Dude. Thank that you for was- that. Yeah, that was great. And then the other one that we played that was actually a lot of fun that seemed weird when we got there, it was like, it looked like a cowboy bar. Like it's like a, a round area, like where the band plays. It looks almost like a, as like a, anyways, anyways, it, the shows are always Edmonton. good for us in Edmonton. It must've been, uh, I think I know the one you're talking about. It, it actually is a fucking cowboy bar, but they <laughs> somehow started putting girls with Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we've seen uh, Children of Bodom there. That's the only show I went to there because it's such a fucking shit venue. Yeah, we but literally there, like as soon as the band stopped playing, the the country music came on and all these. Yeah, we played we played together. there with Flesh God Apocalypse. If you can imagine that, so yeah, Flesh God Apocalypse in a cowboy bar. Yeah, as soon as the band stopped and they opened the regular bar, you can imagine the culture clash was just amazing. Yes. Um, my question I wanted to ask you. You have a, a very good metal guitar tone. Um, in your experience, in your years, what's the simplest, but the best um, metal guitar tone like in the studio on tour? I kind of missed your string gauges there. You sound like uh, you have a really simple rig. I'm just wondering uh, if you could break that down for us a little bit. I'd say that, in my opinion, the simplest way to a a good metal rhythm guitar tone is 5150 with tube screamer whether it's p i prefer evh 5150 but pv 5150 will do as well so 5150 with a tube screamer in front of that you you can't really go wrong ideally it's going through a cab that has vintage 30 speakers like a mezzo boogie cabinet and that's just it's kind of the bread and butter. If you ask any producer of metal, they're going to say, yes, that's kind of the go-to. Like you always know that's going to work. Uh, you can try different things, of course, if you had, but like that 70% of metal albums you've heard, that's the rhythm guitar sound. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thinking you were going to say that it just confirmed my bias. It's a good overdrive pedal and a good player and into a, into a good head is just going to make a great tone. Yeah depends what kind of music you're playing too. Like I don't like active pickups, but if you were in an extreme, very extreme death metal band, then I would use active pickups, but we're not that extreme. So I I can use the passives, which have a lot more dynamics to do other things than only playing on 10 all the time kind of thing. What type of pickups do you use? DiMarzio, DiMarzio Evolutions, which are basically Steve Vai pickups essentially. Oh wow. So they have a lot of mid-range punch to them, which is good because what you end up doing to get a metal tone often is you scoop out the mids on the amp because it has that like chunk sound. 
but then the pickups bring a little back so it lets you cut in the mix a little more you know what i mean because guitar is a mid-range sound so once you scoop the mids what happens once once the whole band plays the guitar disappears in the mix yeah so you can't you can't like when you dime bag it you know even dime bag it sounds super scooped but they did things to make it punch out you know yeah i always would have guessed from your tone that you were using active pickups i was in the the first first two albums and then awesome. it yeah thanks for your time very cool we're gonna wrap this up with a spicy question for mr danny marino uh i switch beers uh me and jessica just cracked this open it is phenomenal it's called frambo it is a collaborative brew between Avagarde Artisan Brassard, and Steph has the same beer if anyone can see him, and Matera, and this is a, uh, a a golden sour ale that has been aged in Chardonnay barrels and then re-fermented in the bottles with raspberry puree. It is to die for. It clocks in 6%, surprisingly high. Delicious. Look at that color. You, 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 know. you luxurious bastard. I picked it up at La Canette in Villeray. You guys should check that place out. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff coming out of there. Uh, spicy question. I'm super stoked that you were one of the people that took the time and uh, were courageous enough to stand up and voice your opinion against the wrongdoings of John Finberg. Uh, if 2020 has brought one good thing, it is the end of John Finberg's notorious reign. So, so... Tell me about uh, yeah. To, tell me about uh, all of that. I don't want to hear about like what he did to you. I want to hear about how they approached you and uh, how you chose to be a part of it or not. Um, it was actually Stéphane Melul, who is our booking agent, and a lot of metal bands booking agents. If that anyone here, it's extreme metal bands. Stefan probably books half of the bands you like in, in North America. Continental Concerts USA. Yeah. Um, he wrote to me out of the blue at some point and said, hey, man, I just wanted to let you know I gave your your name to uh, the guys at Metal Sucks because they, they interviewed, they asked me some questions about Finberg and they asked me if I knew anyone else that worked with him in the past and I mentioned your name. I just want to give you a heads up that they are going to reach out to you because they, they would like, they, they're doing a piece on him and I can tell you now it's not going to be flattering. Um, and so I just wanted to let you know about that. And I just kind of wrote back to him like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, we'll see. I'll, I'll see what they have to say and, and I'll, I'll see if I want to talk to them or not. And then, so uh, Ben from metal sucks called me. And he basically told me some stuff, even some stuff that I didn't know without too much detail, but he told me some, I know there's a million stories out there about him, but there was even more that, you know, like that he had uncovered. And then he asked me, he's like, so uh, I'd like to talk to you about it. You can tell me whatever you want. And then, you know, it's up to you if you want to be on the record or not, or just be like a source from a metal band said kind of thing yeah exactly anonymous yeah and at first i was a little wary even though it's like if there's one guy that deserves it it's him just because press drama is really uncomfortable 
you know, place to be. And you, you, you've lived with enough of it. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> uh, it feels icky. And I always like feel really a weird feeling in my chest when it's like this thing. But then I was just like, you know, knowing what I know, it's not about what happened to me because what happened to me happened to like a hundred other bands with him. And it was like, just, just a terrible business way of dealing with people, treating them like shit, like not even human sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, that's bad enough. But the sexual allegation stuff was like far worse. And that's why I said, okay, no, I, I should put my name on it because if that makes it stronger, then that's good. Absolutely. You know, that's good for the cause. And so I did. And it seems like since it's came out, I think a lot of other stuff has come out. A lot of other people have come out of the woodwork to give their story now because now they're like, Oh, it's out. Well, I might as well tell my story. <laughs> it's amazing that a lot of bands have dropped him, have fired him. I, I, I think that's amazing. Shout out to Brittany Slays, the Vox and Hops alumni, two time alumni. Uh, for making a massive, very, very aggressive post tagging all of the bands that are still being booked by him and saying, why are you still with him when he is this monster and there's all these other options and she tagged all the other booking agencies. Wonderful. I love that. Um, Thank you, Danny, for taking some time to hang out with me and the Thirsty Thursday virtual gang. Uh, I'm super stoked to be with all of you again. I'm super stoked to be with you, Danny. It was a true, true pleasure. You're an excellent, excellent human, and I love you dearly, and you know that. Uh, Everybody that's listening at home right now, we're going to keep hanging out in the Thirsty Thursday virtual hang, but you guys won't be with us. If you if you want to come, you got to come to a the next one, which is going to be happening the first Thursday of November. Uh, so raise your glasses, everybody. Let's give a huge cheers to Danny for being a good sport. Cheers. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Super cool that I got to do this. I loved getting all the extra questions from the Thirsty Thursday gang and including them as a part of this episode. It's something very special and very cool to have my Thirsty Thursday gang's voices on an episode. It's something that I find very special and something that I can't wait to keep doing. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should most definitely listen and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have one more episode coming at you tomorrow, but until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.